shock me. to another exciting episode of the Chuck Series Companion. I am your host, the Jaystrom. We're here today to talk about Season 2, Episode 22 of Chuck. That's right, Chuck versus the Ring, and I am super excited. I cannot believe we are finally wrapping up Season 2 of Chuck. Just think, it was February 5th, 2015, when I first started the Chuck Series Companion with the first episode, Chuck vs. the Intersect. It then took me a mere, and I mean a mere, this is crazy, it only took me three months to cover Season 1 of Chuck. That was 13 episodes. I was on fire. Three months to do 13 episodes. Season 2, though, has taken me over a year. A year and, give or take, six months. It's ridiculous how long it took me, but I do another podcast called Entertainment Landfill, and I do some other things, so I got a little distracted, but I always came back to Chuck. It's funny, the way I work is, if I work too hard on something and I start to get burned out, I have the Chuck series companion to make me relax and concentrate on that. And then the same thing happens with the Chuck series companion. I do three episodes in a row. Then I'm like, okay, I need to move on to my other show. And it kind of goes back and forth like that. Now that I am finishing Chuck season two and I have three, four and five ahead of me, I want to do things much different. I want to get through season three as quickly as possible. I don't want to take a year and six months to do it. I'd rather take about six months to do all of season three, and I'm going to try to do that, guys. Uh, It's 19 episodes, so we'll get to season three later, guys. We've still got a huge double-sized episode of the Chuck series companion ahead of us. Later on, after I cover the episode, I'm going to have two special guests, Adam Sexton and Ross Pondy, two friends that have actually been on this show before. After Ross finished binging every episode of Chuck, every season of Chuck, I had him on the show and we talked all about it. The reason I didn't put that on the main feed is that because we talk about things all the way at the end of the series, and I didn't want to kind of interrupt the flow of the way the feed is. Now, Adam, he was a guest on Season 2, Episode 11, Chuck vs. Santa Claus, which is my favorite episode of Chuck ever, and I had him on that, and we talked all about it. It was a lot of fun. Go back and listen to that if you'd like. But first, I'm going to cover the episode like I always do, and then at the end of the show, it won't be ending. You'll have another hour of us talking all about Chuck. Chuck, Chuck season two, what it meant to us, the finale, what it means, what could happen next, which we already know is going to happen next, but we're going to talk about the excitement that we felt when we first watched that. Also, when this finale aired originally on NBC on April 27th, 2009, nobody knew if Chuck was going to be renewed. 
We all wondered. We had it. It was a sinking feeling in our guts that Chuck may be canceled. That Chuck versus the ring might possibly be the final episode of Chuck we'd ever get to see. And I'll talk about that later, too. So right now, let's talk about this. This episode of Chuck was written by Chris Fedak, who we know is a co-creator of Chuck with Josh Schwartz, and Allie Adler, who I've mentioned before. She's written episodes of Chuck, like Chuck vs. the Wookiee, Chuck vs. the Truth, The Cougars, The Best Friend, The Broken Heart, most recently, and now The Ring, and she'll go on to write more episodes of Chuck. But one thing that you should know, and I've mentioned it before also, is that she is now the showrunner of Supergirl on the CW, which is really cool. And that brings me to Chris Fedak, because he is a writer on the CW's Legends of Tomorrow, which I love saying it like that. So they're both working for the CW. So that's really cool. This episode is directed by Robert Duncan McNeil. And if you're listening to this show for the first time and you're going, oh, isn't that the guy from Star Trek Voyager? Why, yes, it is. It's Lieutenant Tom Paris. But we know him as the director of many episodes of Chuck. I mean, for Pete's sakes, this is the eighth episode of Chuck that this guy has directed. And he will go on to direct many more episodes of Chuck. So this guy is the prolific Chuck director, and he's great at his job. So what do you say? Let's get into Season 2, Episode 22, Chuck vs. The Ring. If you guys remember how the previous episode ended, Chuck got the intersect out of his head. He saved his father. Morgan quit the buy more, and he's going to move to Hawaii soon. He's going to become a Benihana chef. <laughs> And everything's looking up for our hero. But what about Sarah? What's to become of her in his life? What's to become of the Bymore? Those are all good questions. And when the episode begins, we hear the song, Now We Can See, by The Thermals. And look at this. It's Chuck and Casey, and they're headed into the Bymore with purpose. Chuck looks at Lester. He sees Big Mike doing some manual labor. And it's almost as if he's taking one last look. At the buy more. What is Chuck up to? And then Chuck enters Emmett Milbarge's office. We existed to kill our history. Oh, thank you for joining us. Emmett, I, I've waited a long time for this day. Thought of so many ways I could say it out loud and how it would finally feel to get it off of my chest. <laughs> Let me stop you, Chuck. I am incredibly flattered, but I am a flaming heterosexual. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> You know what? One thing that's funny about Emmett's office that I've just now noticed for the first time. He has a Bimoria flag hanging up in the background. But underneath it, you can see the wall stain of where Norman the Marlin used to hang. It's pretty awesome. But uh, I think Chuck is just as confused as we are over that statement. What? What? No. No, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm done. What? <laughs> 
Leaving is not the answer. I am just touched that you are taking it so hard. Emmett, you don't understand. I quit. No more buy more, no more you. You can take your flag and your job and shove it. Ditto. Whoa, way to go, Chuck. And it looks like Casey just quit too. Because, you know, we all know he doesn't need to be here anymore. Chuck doesn't have the intersect. Let's see how Emmett takes all of this news. What do you think you're going to do for the rest of your life? Anything I want. That is right, Chuck. Anything you want. And that kind of reminds me of the old Twisted Sister video of We're Not Gonna Take It. I guess that's in my head because it was in a previous episode of Chuck. Now let's cut down to Castle. And General Beckman wants to know the same thing. Chuck, what are you going to do with your life? Chuck, what are your plans for the future? Well, I was going to get a good champagne buzz going on at my sister's wedding, followed by a nice extra long slow dance with my date. (laughs) Uh, yeah, Chuck, I don't think she means like that. Vocationally speaking? Oh, that? No, nothing. Nothing lined up just yet. How would you feel about working on the new Intersect project? Your government has been rebuilding its own intersect. You've shown real promise. We'd like you to be an analyst. Your country is calling you, Mr. Bartowski. Wow, he's getting offered a job as an analyst? That's pretty cool, right? I mean, he did just quit the buy more. Uh, well, then I think my country might have the wrong number, because I'm just Chuck Bartowski, not a hero. Very well. I guess that concludes Project Bartowski. <sighs> <laughs> I love how Casey's relieved that he said no. Colonel Casey, please issue Mr. Bartowski his final papers before you and your special forces team ship out to Waziristan. Was where's where's Waziristan? What? Agent Walker, I'll need you for just a moment more. Well, let's cut up to the orange orange and what's this? Casey has something to give to Chuck. <laughs> What exactly is this? It's your pay packet, numb nuts. Hi-oh! I have freeze-framed it multiple times when watching this, trying to see the amount of money that Chuck is given, but I can never see it. They don't show it. But I'm just wondering, how much money did they just give him? Whoa! Yeah, you know, if you were a true patriot, you wouldn't even cash it. (laughs) Casey? Thank you for saving my life at least once a week. Hmm. See, guys can hug. Not if they don't have their man parts. That's a good point. Technically, they still could hug. I mean, if you rip their arms off, they wouldn't be able to hug, right? Uh, eh, never mind. You've done good work here. Thank you. Case of emergencies. My personal number. But, uh... Your fingers better be on fire when you're dialing. Well, that's about as close as a sweet gesture that you're going to get from John Casey. Now let's cut back downstairs in Castle, and General Beckman is telling Sarah all about her new assignment. And I'll just say it again, just so you know, I love this Tim Jones music that plays in the background. Agent Walker, I'm sure you'll be pleased to know you're in charge of the new Intersect project, working in tandem with Agent Larkin. And this time the Intersect goes in my head. Bryce. And now that we've got the cube, it's ready for upload. 
You leave reserve together at 0800. Alvedersay. Walker and Larkin. Together again. Finally, you can get out of here. Yeah, Walker and Larkin together again. Now, let's cut to the church where Awesome and Ellie are getting married and everyone's preparing for the wedding. There's Stephen Bartowski, there's Awesome, there's everyone prepping everything. This is going to be the perfect day. And we hear the song Looking at the Sun by Gramercy Arms. This day is the perfect day. Nothing is away. Hey, hey. Everything is going to be perfect. I even had your Toyota washed for you, man. Oh, perfect. Thanks, bro. Oh, uh, I'll be right back. Okay. Hi. Can I talk to my sister? It will only oh, take Oh, no, Chuck. It's bad luck to see the bride. It's fine. I don't believe in that stuff. All right. Just get in. Get in. Get in. Honey taking control of everything. But look at this. Ellie looks absolutely radiant in her wedding dress. What? Look at you. Ellie, your dreams are coming true. If it were up to me, I would have a small ceremony on the beach, sand between my toes, people I love. But we all make sacrifices for family, right? One, two, three. Where the hell is my blonde? <laughs> I have a feeling Devin's mom is a little controlling about the whole wedding thing. Anyway, uh, I don't know exactly yet what I'm going to get you for your wedding present, but I'll start with this. I quit the Buy More today. What? (laughs) The Buy More is no more. (laughs) Chuck, that that is incredible. No, say it ain't so, Chuck. We need you to stay at the Buy More forever. And then what's this? Sarah enters the room, and she's in a bridesmaid dress, and she looks absolutely gorgeous. And Chuck notices this. What are you going to do with your future? I don't know. There she is. I made my dreams come true, Chuck. What are you going to do about yours? Yeah, what are you going to do, Chuck? Sarah, can we talk for a moment? Look, I wanted to talk. Oh, uh, Ellie wanted me to make sure that you have the rings. Yeah. Right. <sighs> yep, he's got the rings. Check. You look like a real spy. You look like a real bride's man. Sarah, I... Wait, uh... There is something that I have to tell I you. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait any longer, okay? Everyone keeps asking me what I'm going to do with my future, and the truth is, I don't have a clue. All I do know is that I want you to be in it. Please, I really have to tell you. No. No guns. No lies. Just us. Just like I've always wanted it. I've recently come into a little bit of money, so any place you want to go, any place at all, as long as it's sunny, with little umbrella drinks... What I'm getting at here is, Sarah Walker, will you do me the honor of taking a vacation with me? Chuck, I'm leaving in the morning. 
The details are classified, but I'm working on the new Intersect project with Bryce. Bryce. Oh, yeah. Whoa. That's devastating. And again, we hear the song Looking at the Sun by Grand Mercy Arms. Before it was this peppy, happy song, but now it kind of takes on this kind of opposite tone. This isn't the best day at all. And it makes it worse that it's with Bryce. I mean, Bryce was her former partner, but also her former boyfriend, basically. Yikes. I'm, I'm so sorry. I wanted to wait until after the ceremony to tell you. Me and everyone looking at you. What's new? Thank you for coming to the wedding. I guess I've never seen Good for the cover. A world so green here beside you. Wow, poor Chuck. You can tell he's pretty devastated. Today's a day we remember forever, son. This day is the perfect day. Nothing in our way. This is our time. Well, it seems like Chuck wants to be alone now. So he goes into the reception area, and there's a huge wedding cake. And we also see an awesome skylight, where you can see it's a beautiful day outside. Blue skies and white clouds as far as the eye can see. And you know what? I think Chuck wants to have him some champagne. He's going to get sauced, just like he told Beckman earlier. But I have a feeling he's going to start drinking a little sooner than he thought. So Chuck sits down at a table and he bumps his foot on something and he takes a look underneath the table to see what it is. Oh, oh my God. There's dead guys under the table, Chuck. And what's this? Ted Rourke sits down at the table beside him. This can't be good. I believe we've met before. Ted Rourke? No. I'm Ted Rourke. You're the CIA agent who's in deep trouble. By the way, congratulations on your sister's happy day. Her gown is gorgeous. Full bodice. Love the beating. What the hell do you want? There's no need to curse. You know damn well what I want. I I want the intersect cube. I can't, I can't, I can't give you that. Oh, you'll find a way, I'm sure. Oh, sorry, I forgot the threat part. If you don't deliver that cube within a half hour, 40 minutes tops with traffic, I'm going to kill the bride. Nice. Oh, crap. What's Chuck going to do? I mean, he's at his sister's wedding. He can't just leave without being noticed. So he's got to come up with a plan. Chuck, sorry, can I talk to you real quick? I'm just feeling a little nervous. Buddy, I'm so sorry. I can't talk right now. I, hey, 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 hey. What's the matter? You can tell me. I, I, I might be able to help. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's the rings. It's the rings. I have to go home and get them. 
Find Sarah, pull her aside, and specifically tell her that I forgot the rings. The wedding is in 20 minutes. Ellie's gonna kill you. Thanks for that. Unless I stole the wedding. Okay, no one will even know you're gone. They'll just blame me. It'll be fine. You do that for me? Of course I would, dude. You've saved my ass a million times. It's about time I save yours. But, but go. Well, with that taken care of, he calls John Casey. Pretty lucky John gave him that card earlier, right? But it looks like Casey is actually on an airplane with a bunch of Marines. What is that smell? There he is. It is you. Colonel. Ladies, you get soft without me? It's been a while. Good to see you, sir. Oh, yeah, long time, man. <laughs> Come on, Casey. This is Casey. Leave a message. Who's ready to do some hunting? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that didn't work, but I love this scene here. Morgan goes to tell Sarah about the rings, but Dr. Awesome, otherwise known as Tron, Bruce Boxleitner, is there to stand guard and not let him in. Dr. Awesome, don't take another step. My wife warned me about you. Good warnings, I hope. (laughs) Retreat two steps back. I need to get in there. Oh, uh, Dr. Woodcomb, your wife wants me to tell you to go to the car and get back up hosiery. Does that make sense? Man my post. Don't let this one in. Yes, sir. Sarah, listen to me. Uh, Chuck forgot the rings, so he, he went home to go get them. He what? Yeah, the wedding rings. He blew it. I have to stall the wedding. How do I stall a wedding? Uh, do it, Morgan, by any means necessary. all this wedding think man think think morgan and i love that sarah immediately knows something's wrong now let's cut down to castle chuck is just arriving and he's gonna get that intersect cube or is he it's gone bryce to the new intersect where 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 is it chuck you know I can't tell you that. That's top secret, not even better. No, I need it, Bryce. I need it. My family's in danger. Ted Rourke and his fulcrum team are at the wedding. He's going to kill Ellie unless I bring him the cube. Rourke can't have it. No, he'll murder everyone. No, you're going to give them me. I think you're the intercept. They've been looking for me all along. The cube can't fall into the wrong hands. I made a promise to Orion. Wait, what? You made a promise to Orion? Chuck's dad? What are you talking about, Bryce? You knew. That was the deal. Your dad knew I protected you at Stanford. I was the only spy you would trust. I can't believe you've known this whole time. He wanted to keep you out of this. But I knew you could handle the intersect. I knew Sarah would find you. And most importantly, you deserved to know the truth about your father. He's a hero. Now let's go get your sister Mary. All right, let's do it. What's the holdup? Uh, the bride is perfect. She'll only wilt from here. <sighs> we can't find Chuck. Oh, and the blonde is gone too. Sarah? Yeah. Just now? Yes. Excuse me. Well, now Stephen Bartowski knows that there's something wrong, too. This is a really weird family. (laughs) You don't know the half of it, pal. Now let's cut to Sarah, and she's peeking into the reception area, and she sees Ted Rourke and a bunch of goons with guns. 
gum? Sarah, something's wrong. Ted Rourke and his men are inside. He's alive. How did... Did you bring a gun? I'll think of something. Please check the chapel and the bridal chamber. Make sure there's nobody else. Oh, wait. Use the southeast entrance through the kitchen. Wow, look at that. Steven Bartowski still has this cool Orion wristband thing type touchscreen thingamajig that uh, he can see floor plans and stuff, whatever that's called. Uh, uh, Moving on. Back to uh, Morgan's plan to stall the wedding. Let's see what he came up with. Hello? Is this on? on? Hello. Uh, I'm Morgan Grimes, unofficial member of the wedding party uh so uh we have some pre-wedding entertainment plan for you guys so without further ado i present to you jester (laughs) (laughs) i love how you hear the entire crowd go like it's the most horrible thing they've ever seen (laughs) it's so funny i love this hey everybody it's jester it's Jeffster! What's going on? I don't know, but this wedding just got good. <laughs> I love this. We see Big Mike, Morgan's mom, Bologna, and Anna Wu in the audience. And they don't know what the heck's going on. Dude, we got the perfect song. Lock them down, This is a 4-4 four, four tie. It's in D. Watch me for the changes. <laughs> hey, is that a Back to the Future reference there? You are ruining my wedding. Listen to me, if you hit me, know that it only teaches me to hit, okay? Now, for reasons I cannot say, I have to stall this wedding. Tell me why. You're wondering who I am. Chuck is in trouble, and I'm saving him, man. Chuck told you to do this. Yes! Okay, okay, I'm with you. Well, we all know that Devin now knows Chuck is a spy, so he knows that there's a very good reason for this interruption to his wedding. (laughs) And I love this cut to the dressing room, and Ellie's wondering what that music is, and just what the hell is going on. Okay, now Sarah... And that is definitely not the wedding march. Um, can one of you please go see what's going on out there? Now! Thank you. Thank you. Now cut to the reception area, and Sarah is sneaking in. She's tearing off her bridesmaid's skirt to make it shorter so she can move around and kick some ass. And she's going to look for a weapon to fight these bad guys. Why are you letting Sam Kinison and an Indian lesbian wreck your wedding? (laughs) Yes, indeed, Devin. What the hell's going on? (laughs) I love that line. I love seeing Sarah opening the wedding gifts, trying to find a weapon. She finds nothing but a waffle maker. That's not going to work. Feeling a bit peckish. Don't you dare! 
never want to see the intersect again. You will not touch anything in this room. Do I make myself clear? Today is my sister's wedding day, and believe me, you don't want to see her angry. Where's the intersect, Chuck? Well, uh, uh, about that. Kill him. Oh, 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 hold down, hold down. I mean, hold on. Hold on a second, all right? Finally. Whoa, bingo. Sarah found a nice set of knives. I did bring an intersect with me. An intersect. Mr. Roar. And here we go, guys. Prepare for the epic entrance of Bryce Larkin. Mr. Larkin. The human intersect. on me and let chuck and his people go we leave they stay nobody else needs to know terrific plan thing of it is fulcrum wants chuck here dead no matter what so with that said shoot mr bartowski and with that sarah throws a throwing knife into the would-be shooter and all hell breaks loose sarah take him And I love that Awesome's dad and mom keep taking drinks from a flask. They're just going to get drunk. They don't know what else to do. And we see Stephen Bartowski checking up on Ellie. And she's in this nice zen state of calm meditating. So he just leaves her alone. Now back to the chaos. Any more knives? Nope. It's all Crap. They're out of bullets. They're out of knives. There's nothing else they can do now. Get up. Oh, God. Someone just shoot me now. I can help you with that, Chuck. Mm, little shotgun wedding. Just think. That terrible pun. It's the last thing you'll ever hear. (laughs) I don't think so, Ted Rourke. Suddenly, there's a shade over the room, and when they look up, they see men in parachutes. This can only mean one thing, guys. That's right, guys. It's John Casey and his team of Marines there to take these bad guys out. Hell yeah! And I love this. Right when Ted Rourke is trying to escape, there's Stephen Bartowski to confront him. Oh, Ted. Twenty years to do that. Oh boy, there went the centerpiece. Bummer. But it looks like all the bad guys are dead. Good job, Casey. All clear, sir. You rang. 
And now Ellie finally comes out of the room to see what the hell is going on. I mean, why is Jeffster playing at her wedding? Now everyone can see. What happened? Uh, everything's all right, Ellie. That was just a minor centerpiece problem. Now cut back to Jeffster, and it looks like Jeff is setting off some Roman candles in the church. That can't be a good idea. Yeah, her wedding is canceled. It's totally ruined. This is officially a disaster. I can't believe that my spy life has wrecked my real life. Again. I've completely ruined my sister's wedding day. I'm sorry, son. I... If anyone knows how you feel, it's me. You had no choice, Charles. You saved her life. You okay? No, I'm not. I'm not okay. I don't want to have to save my sister using a special forces team. I just want to be a normal guy who helps his sister in normal ways. Like right now, if I could give her anything in the world. Wait, wait a second. I think Chuck has an idea. I would... You got time for one more mission before you take off? It's not what a normal guy would do. So we see in Castle that uh, Casey is putting away Rourke in his cell. Don't forget to lock it. Yeah, well, what is it? You're kidding. Roger that, we're on it. So, it looks like Casey and his team are up to something to help Chuck. Now let's cut to Ellie in the bathtub. She's still in her wedding dress, and it looks like she's getting drunk. Ellie, are you alright? Chuck, just please go away. I can't believe your idiot friends ruined my wedding. I'm, just, I'm never going to forgive Morgan for this. Well, I think you kind of have to. Because Morgan and Lester and Jeff, they only did what I asked them to do. What? 
I did all this. I forgot your rings. So I told them to stall. So if you're going to be mad at someone, you should be mad at me. Please say something. And we hear the song Christmas TV by Slow Club. You ruined the most important day of my life. Look, Al, you have to trust me, okay? Take these. And I'll take care of the rest. Trust me. It's okay to ask arms. They will make Sir, how do you spell begonia? Sound it out. No, 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 no. That clashes with the bunting. Yes, I, I appreciate that you require extra time to permit the area. But this is a national security matter. And we see that they've set up a very lovely wedding display on the beach, in the sand, exactly the kind of wedding Ellie wanted to have all along. And everybody's there. It's not bad of you to think of what might go wrong, but you can't blame me for secretly hoping that I'll prove you wrong. It's okay that I pray that you will miss your flight and have to stay with me another night. And there we see Ellie with Stephen Bartowski and Chuck, and the wedding is going to begin. When we're out in the market and out on the streets, I've got a pocket We are gathered here to join together. Eleanor Faye Bartowski and Devin Christian Woodcomb in matrimony. Who gives this woman in marriage to this man? We do. Oh, isn't that cool? Both Stephen and Chuck gave Ellie away. I like the way that our arguments stop when we fall asleep and the way that your body feels when it's wrapped around me and I'd like it if you made it to mine by Christmas Eve so you can hold me and we'll watch Christmas TV we see that Bryce Larkin has some binoculars and he's watching the wedding from a distance we also see that down in Castle Casey and his team are guarding Ted Rourke it is brutal it's brutal I can't you see it's brutal it's brutal. Where have you been? Because we're far apart. A partnership should not be entered into lightly, but with much consideration. If any person can show just cause why they should not be joined, let them speak now or forever hold their peace. Sarah. You're not coming with me, are you? Do you have the rings? Well, as Chuck runs up with the rings, Sarah answers Bryce. So come on home. And she nods, no. Just come on home. Just come on home. Just come on home. Just come on home. And I love that moment. She's not going to do the Intersect Project. She's not going with Bryce. She's staying here for Chuck. Then we see the fellow Marine that Casey told to watch Ted Rourke open the cell and Ted Rourke's like, 
what, what does this guy want? And apparently, he wants to kill Ted Rourke. Just come on home. 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 So at the same time that Ellie and Awesome are getting married and everything's happy, there's Ted Rourke being murdered. Just come on home. 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 One, two, three, four. Awesome and Ellie are married. Now cut down into Castle, and the guy who just killed Ted Rourke is still down there with Casey and his fellow Marines. What was that crap you were talking about? Secondhand smoke? 300. Sir, Rourke wants to talk to you. Watch my cards. Watch Barbara cheats. About food. But what's this that sells open in case he sees that something's wrong? So Casey enters the room and sees that his fellow Marines are all dead. Don't! Sorry, sir. We've been through a lot. I'm not you, but Fulcrum. I'm not with Fulcrum. Go ahead, pull the trigger. I don't want to look at your face. Just killed three Marines. Cold blood. Yeah. But none of them saved my life. Whoa! Now let's cut to the wedding reception and we hear the song Friday I'm in Love by The Cure. Thank you. For what? For what? This for my wedding gift. This is. I don't know how you did all this. Uh, well, I can't exactly take all the credit. Well, first the beach, and now this. I don't know. You're pretty amazing, little brother. Sometimes I think you have superpowers. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I know. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Chuck, man, you saved the day. 
Looks like you're the big hero. Thanks, bro. Wow. Now I really am your bro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I can't believe you're actually leaving me. All right, don't, Chuck. I'll cry. We don't want that in the movie. I'm happy for you, buddy. I think that you are going to be the greatest hibachi chef in the world. I don't know, man. This whole making your dreams come true thing is hard. Dude, and, and the bigger the dream, the harder it gets. You know, like on one side, a, you know, the girl you love, and then on the other, life as you know it. It's just, you know, friends and family and a job you can't stand. I don't know, man. I should just go with Anna. And then we hear the song... Three Rounds and a Sound by Blind Pilot. Right, but then I, uh, I'm overthinking this, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, you are. Go with your heart, buddy. Our brains only screw things up. They're playing our song. They're playing our song. Where's Bryce? Gone. They're uploading him with a new computer tonight. Hope to save the world. I guess both of you are. You want to dance? <laughs> you know I do. So there's Chuck and Sarah dancing, and then Bryce shows up, and he sees Stephen Bartowski. Mr. Bartowski. Or is this an Orion conversation? Bit of both. (laughs) I reconfigured the cube for you under two conditions. You stop looking for me, and you leave my son alone. We asked Chuck to be on my team. He said no. Goodbye, Orion. You made changes to the intersect, to my initial designs. The data architecture is different. What does this new computer do? You don't want to know. Agent Larkin, it's time to go. Whoa, but what's this? This new guy shows up for Bryce, and Steven Bartowski... He flashes on him. Whoa, holy crap. Steven just flashed on him, and it looks different than when Chuck flashes. This looks like it actually cripples him for a second. You belong out there, saving the world. I'm just... I'm just not that guy. How many times do you have to be a hero to realize that you are that guy? I don't want more, Sarah. I want a life. I want a real life. Chuck, I don't want to save the world. Chuck! 
Chuck. What? Agent. Whoa, 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 Sarah, what what do you want? Stephen Bartowski's interrupting. What what do you want, Sarah? Oh, okay. What what, what do you want, Stephen Bartowski? The agent came for Bryce. He isn't a CIA agent. He, he's supposed to be dead. Dad, how could you possibly know that? <sighs> Screw it. I, I have an intersect in my head. I I tested the computer on myself. I was young and stupid, but the intel was good. That man isn't CIA. Bryce, Bryce is getting the upload tonight. They're going to kill him. They'll download the intersect into their team instead. Well, if they know about Bryce, they know about Casey. Sarah, let her go, son. You've done your part. Oh, I have to go. No, 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 you don't. You're not a spy. Dad, I love her. I can't follow you, son, but take this. Thank you. Be safe, Charles. Thank you. So Chuck's dad gave him the cool Orion wristband thing, and he's off to the Orange Orange. Hey, I'm coming with you. Stay here. It's not your mission. Wait. This is the intersect we're talking about, and I'm a Bartowski. Damn right he is. So cut to the secret intersect location. And Bryce is there to upload the new intersect into his brain. But this fulcrum agent has other plans. Did you see her? Agent Walker? She was amazing, right? Yes, sir. She loves another guy. Bad day to be me. You have no idea. Mr. Larkin. So gunplay ensued, but Bryce jumped inside the intersect room before they could get to him. Access denied. Open this door! And luckily, just now... Chuck, Sarah, and Casey have arrived on the scene, and everybody's dead. They're already here. And they walk down the hall and run right into the bad guys. But using Orion's wristband, he sees that there's a way through the vents into the intersect room. And when Chuck arrives in the room, he sees Bryce laying against the wall, and it looks like he's been hurt pretty bad. Bryce, Bryce, Casey and Sarah are pinned down outside. I'm on it. Ah. 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 
we gotta give you a shot. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. You're gonna be fine. It's not that bad. Take care. Don't, don't say that. You're not dying. She needs you, man. Okay. You, you guys are gonna go on missions together and 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 do exciting things and save the world. You'll be a team again. It'll be great. She wasn't gonna come. She wasn't. Come on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This will destroy the intersect. This new computer is too powerful. It's too dangerous. But you need, you need the computer to fight Fulcrum. Fulcrum doesn't matter. I can, it's just, there's just one part of the ring. They'll use it against us, Chuck. You have to do this. You have to destroy that computer. Then you get out of here. You can beat him. Wow. And with that, Bryce is dead. So Chuck's got to decide what to do. Oh my god. Does he just destroy the intersect so nobody gets it? Or does he use the intersect? This is a huge moment for Chuck. You can do anything. I've seen you in action. You can't put him out in the field. He won't survive. It's time for you to become a spy. Just Chuck Bartowski, not a hero. How many times do you have to be a hero to realize that you are that guy? Chuck just uploaded a new intersect, and it was awesome. But now he's got to destroy it before not Fulcrum gets it, but this new thing we're just hearing about, the ring, gets its hands on it. What did you do? I destroyed it. You're too late for that. You'll die last. Bryce. 
left so you lose you should know this no one stops us no one ever has who are you spies agent walker the best what's this guys the guy's about to shoot sarah but chuck's not gonna let that happen because he flashes And it's a flash that he's never flashed before. This is a new kind of flash, you guys. This stuff is crazy, man. Sir, you should look at this. Chuck, did you just flash? He uploaded it. Chuck me. Exactly, Casey. We all feel the same way. Chuck uploaded a new intersect, and he's about to show you what it does. Kill him. Holy crap! Chuck can fight! I love how we see Casey and Sarah looking around like, oh my God, they're just like, their eyes are going everywhere. They can't believe what they're seeing. Chuck is kicking bad guy ass. All the bad guys are down, and Casey and Sarah don't know what to think. Chuck? Guys. I know Kung Fu. Holy crap, guys! Wow, what an episode! And I gotta tell you something. At the very end, when the episode cuts to black, we then see To Be Continued. And it was kind of the way of the Chuck people saying to the network, we've got more story to tell, please do not cancel us. This show was in a lot of danger of not being renewed. People were freaking out, especially people like me. I was a huge fan of Chuck. And I just hoped that it would come back, especially after an incredible finale like this. They've just established that Chuck can now fight. The new Intersect has given him the ability to know Kung Fu and who knows what else. But if the show were to be canceled, we'd never see any of that. And also, Chuck and Sarah are just now trying to share their own feelings for each other. And what happened is there was a campaign. Let me just read you this. ChuckTV.net launched the first organized fan effort, the Watch Buy Share campaign on March 18, 2009. The week of April 6, 2009, television blogger Kathy Scary changed the name of her website 
to give me my remote.com to give me my chuck.com and use Twitter to notify her readers to support the show, prompting television columnists Alan Sepinwall of the Star Ledger and Maureen Ryan of the Chicago Tribune and Joseph Adalian of Television Week to write Chuck-related news on their websites and Twitter feeds. Sepinwall also wrote an open letter to NBC on reasons for renewal, while Ryan encouraged fan support by listing the various ways in which they could contribute to the campaign to save Chuck. One fan... Wendy Farrington was inspired by a product placement in the second season episodes to organize a campaign to purchase foot-long submarine sandwiches from Subway on the air date of the second season finale. This movement gained support from various cast and crew members. Actor Zachary Levi was also seen leading hundreds of fans to a Subway restaurant in Birmingham, England. I will actually link that video on the blog where you can see when... Zachary Levi went with a bunch of fans to Subway. They all bought sandwiches in their support of Chuck. On the campaign, co-creator Josh Schwartz remarked that it has been one of the most amazing experiences in his life to witness, and certainly the most creatively gratifying. Other fan efforts included Have a Heart, Renew Chuck campaign, involving Chuck fans donating money to the American Heart Association on behalf of NBC. On May 19, 2009, over $17,000 was raised. The campaign also prompted press and media coverage with The Hollywood Reporter calling Chuck one of the most discussed bubble shows online. Linda Holmes of NPR noted, It's very common for chasms to open between critics and viewers. But here, critics find themselves passionately advocating for something that's extraordinarily enjoyable to watch. Also, in support of the show, Nestle sent more than 1,000 packs of its Wonka nerd candy to NBC after Josh Schwartz made such a suggestion to fans on April 20th, 2009. Chuck also won the annual Save Our Show poll by USA Today, in which 43,000 people voted, topping the poll with 54% of the respondents favoring renewal. The petition campaigns were also mentioned on May 12, 2009 on an episode of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Then finally, after all this stuff, NBC did renew Chuck. And it was a glorious day. NBC's decision to renew the show for a 13th episode, third season, was announced on May 17, 2009. So guys, Chuck was renewed. And eventually, season three, we got 19 episodes. So it's all good news. But the point I'm trying to make here is that people love Chuck. People like you, people like me, we all love this show. And it's so great that people came together and got the show renewed. It's fantastic. And I don't know what I was doing at this time, but I had no idea any of this was going on. I watched the finale and I was sad. I hope that's not the last Chuck. And I went on with my life and I didn't know any of this stuff was going on. I don't know why. I even do a TV podcast and I didn't even know. Oh my God. But now I'm making up for it. This is my penance. I'm doing the Chuck Series Companion Podcast. (laughs) Well, guys, what a fantastic finale. I'm so happy to have done this many episodes of the show. This is the 35th episode of the Chuck Series Companion. And like I said before, there are 91 episodes of Chuck, so I have a long way to go. But I want to thank all of you for listening and reading my Chuck blog. And I can't wait to get to season three. So guys, don't turn this off. I'm going to have a conversation with Adam and Ross about Chuck versus the ring. And I'll see you next time. Well, right after this. 
I am incredibly flattered, but I am a flaming heterosexual. <laughs> What? Now this is podcasting. everyone i'm back i told you i'd be back didn't i this episode isn't over yet this is a special double-sized episode of the chuck series companion we're still talking about season two episode 22 of the chuck series companion of chuck versus the ring and this time i'm not alone i have a special guest with me and that is adam sexton now i do realize that only moments ago I said that I would have Adam and Ross with me on this part of the show, but unfortunately, Ross cannot be here with us. But he did send a voicemail, so we will play that later on. But right now, let me welcome special guest, Adam Sexton! Hey Adam, how's it going? Hello, Jaystrom. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, and welcome to the Chuck Series Companion. Thank you for inviting me. This is your second appearance on the show. Previously, you were on Chuck vs. Santa Claus, which is also my favorite episode of Chuck all time. Really? I, I was under the impression it was uh, versus Tom Sawyer. Has your opinion changed? <laughs> no, you know what? I keep going back and forth. And I noticed, like, in a previous episode, I talked about Chuck versus Tom Sawyer, and I go, my favorite episode of all time. And I'm like, wait, wait, which is my favorite episode? I have to go back, and I'm like, okay picture like this top of a pyramid they're both kind of sitting there trying to take that number one spot that's how much i love both those episodes so let's do that they are they're in a, a game of eternal tug of war <laughs> yes and when i watch an episode like this chuck versus the ring i'm like okay this is a fantastic episode how can this not be my favorite episode and it is a top five episode of chuck i mean come on you gotta This episode has everything, doesn't it? It pretty much does, and it's a perfect cap uh, to a, a great season. Now, I may have mentioned this in the past, but and I know that this has been a topic of discussion, especially when you did a bonus episode uh, with Ross Pony, and the two of you were talking about the subject of what is really the best season, and There seems to be some people like myself seem to think season two is the best. Mm -hmm. uh, others like either you or Ross seem to think four is the best. And I still think two is the best. But uh, as you continue to uh, move throughout these series and recapping them, I'm beginning to think my feelings may change. And there's something exciting about that. Yeah, you know what's funny is kind of like those two episodes, uh, Tom Sawyer and Santa Claus, when I'm in season two, season two is definitely my favorite season. I'm like, oh, this is the best uh, season, of course. But when I'm back into season four and I'm watching that, I'm like, okay, this is the best season of Chuck. Like, I change my mind, you know, and that can happen from time to time. It's it, That's why I don't rank episodes because... Um, Usually I'm having such a good time with a particular episode of Chuck that I'm like, oh, I love this episode. Why, why would I rank it like one through 91? Here's the order. I love these. That would just give me a migraine, you know, <laughs> and it would change right. over time. Yeah. And I, I've thought about this recently because uh, near the end of last year, 
I bought a uh, a book that I may have told you about. Maybe you've heard of it called TV the Book by Alan Seppenwall and Matt Zoller Sites. Yeah. Uh, if I'm pronouncing that last guy's name correctly. I think so. Uh, and it's basically a book that tries to come up with this canon-like list of the best 100 TV shows ever with detailed essays for each of them. And it's also got these uh, this appendices or appendix or however you pronounce it. Uh, or these certain sections like TV shows that are great, but they're still ongoing miniseries, TV movies, live plays made for television. But it's also got this section called A Certain Regard, which is uh, basically about certain shows that have like one really great season and maybe the the show never recovers or it, or it's just a standout or it just couldn't make the the top 100 list. And uh, when I bought and read the book, much to my surprise and uh, to my, uh, what should I say, relief, season two of Chuck actually made that list. And it's holding company with some really uh, great shows such as, uh, say, for example, Charlie Brown Christmas and It's a Gr- the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown TV specials. Wow. Uh, Let's see here. Crime Story Season 1. Do you remember that uh, Michael Mann TV show? Yeah, vaguely. And uh, if anyone who reads Alan Steppenwall over the years knows that he's got his preferences, and for example, something that makes me kind of laugh, an entry that always makes me laugh when I read it is the fact that he chose Season 4 of Dexter, which also stars Yvonne Strahovski for the obvious reason Past season four, which had John Lithgow as the main villain, it never recovered from this quality because uh, apparently no one likes the way that Dexter ended. Yeah. But, I mean, you've got other shows like Fly of the Concords and The Fugitive and, uh, well, Gilligan's Island and Good Times. And the list goes on and on and on. But Seppenwall chose season two in particular, I think, because it was a refinement for him of season one where the show was just trying to find its footing with its writing with most specifically with his characters, mm-hmm. you can watch season one and be very entertained, but you can also get the sense that certain characters aren't well fleshed out or they're just trying to find the balance. And also you have this ongoing uh, evolution with all the characters and the plot progression where people are in a state of, evolution and changing or or at least growing up you know we meet chuck as he's in a state of arrested development and these circumstances which you know are very dangerous and potentially traumatizing allow him to get out of that state of funk that he's in and it will have ramifications for everyone else in his life including the two agents that are acting as his handlers season and and seppenwall thinks that uh, the more i read his entry I think he really believes that the show never hit the highs of season two, which I got to be honest, I kind of disagree. I think the show was consistent all the way through, despite the fact that it was facing tighter budgets, seasons with less episodes and fighting cancellations all the way through. But uh, I was glad that Chuck somehow made the conversation. Every season of Chuck has incredible episodes and it has a great buildup. And I will say every season also, except for season one, which didn't have a finale at all, 
have great finales. And they also have like season three, which, you know, of course I'm doing next because this is the finale of season two, uh, has a fantastic mid-season finale and then has a fantastic finale. One thing I link to all of Alan Seppenwall's reviews of every single episode of Chuck on my Chuck blog. Have you noticed that? Yes. You know, he reviewed every episode of the show, and there's sometimes where I'm like, ah, oh, screw you, Alan, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Like, I'll just—he's <laughs> a little too nitpicky or something. But yes, I, he is very nitpicky. It's obvious he loves the show, but sometimes he will—he's barking up the wrong tree, which I think is funny. But anybody could do that if you kind of predict what's going to happen, and then what really happens, you're like, wow, you boy, were you wrong, or something like that. Sometimes he's a little too hung up on some plot point that doesn't really matter, but anybody could do that. I have the the knowledge afterwards, so I could make fun of anybody predicting something, you know? What I like about Season 2, uh, Adam, there's more of a mythology in the... Uh, story arcs you know they're slowly building they will have you know self-contained episode self-contained episode then three episode arc you know and then it leads into a two episode arc but they all kind of you know you hear from you hear about fulcrum last season it kind of builds that kind of goes away and then they there's orion introduced then that kind of disappears and then they come up with something else and it all kind of ties together at these last four episodes, they're all just like winding up to an incredible close. I like the momentum coming into this episode. For instance, Chuck no longer has the intersect. And it's just like as a viewer, it's like, whoa, how can you have a show if Chuck doesn't have the intersect? What's going on? Awesome and Ellie, they're going to get married. Okay, that's great. Morgan, he's leaving the Buy More. Okay, what? Morgan's not going to be in the Buy More anymore? As this episode begins, Chuck quits the Buy More. And so does Adam, uh, Adam Baldwin. So does John Casey. <laughs> and we get to hear this wonderful part. I had to make a drop of this. I am incredibly flattered, but I am a flaming heterosexual. <laughs> I love how Chuck goes, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> Emmett just amuses himself, doesn't he? He does. So... Chuck quits the Buy More, and even General Beckman offers him a job working on the Intersect project. You almost think as a writer in a writer's room, you could be like, well, okay, Chuck doesn't have the Intersect. What if he joins the Intersect program, and then eventually next season he gets the Intersect again or something? But, you know, you don't know what's going to happen at the end of this episode. But I like how they spend most of the episode... Here's Chuck's new life. He can do whatever he wants. Unfortunately, Sarah and Bryce, they have the Intersect program. They're going away. Chuck's really bummed about that. You'll notice, like, in Season 3, Season 4, and on, there are little things where it seems like things are changing, but they find a way to keep everything together. But it's almost like there's change, but not dramatic change. Do you know what I mean? Or am I not making any sense? No, it ma it makes perfect sense, and it it reminded me of a recap you did of a, a previous episode, which is Chuck versus the uh, the first kill, in which there was this ongoing theme of trust, uh, such as you know the the whole drama of uh, Emmett and uh, Morgan, you know Emmett betrayed the whole Bymore group just so he can get the top office, and then. Morgan unwittingly betraying Big Mike 
And uh, there was also this idea of Chuck being able to trust his handlers and then Begman not being able to trust Chuck. Right. And, and uh, in some of these episodes, it, it's so tightly written that you can see these themes bounce off or or not bounce off, but uh, show themselves through the various subplots because you're always going to have your spy subplot, your uh, life at the Bartowski uh, household subplot, and your buy more subplot. And one of the great entertaining things the show keeps doing is showing how themes keep on uh, showing themselves in all three of these subplots. These last four episodes, like you said, have this sense of closure, has this sense of progression. And these first two seasons, I think, was about Chuck slowly coming out of his uh, state of funk, his state of arrested development, where he can finally move on with his life. And uh, before we move away from Emmett Millbarge, I love it. they're walking out of the office and he just yells at them, you know, what are you going to do with your life? Like, <laughs> like to him, it's inconceivable that Chuck could ever have anything meaningful outside of a buy more. And while <laughs> yeah. Chuck doesn't really have, you know, I, I almost want Chuck to have like a great little quip to fire right back at him. But uh, Chuck in his own dignified way doesn't have an answer for him. But that's also that's also a thing that doesn't really scare him either. What's funny about that is we do want Chuck to have a life. We want him to move on. But at the same time, as a viewer, you don't want him to. You don't want him to get rid of the intersect. You don't want him to leave the buy more. It's like you want to hold him back because that's the show. Like, I don't want you to change, you know. (laughs) But at the same time, you want his character to have growth. You want him to uh, get his own life. And I love the way that... uh, you're kind of wrestling with yourself as you watch it. You want something good to happen for Chuck, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, he's got to have the intersect in his head, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> otherwise, what kind of show are we going to have? Right, and I and I trust. I sometimes trust uh, writers of a show to go in a different route if they if they think they can make it. But with Chuck, I feel like there's this cyclical nature to it where. And like you said, that that true sense of happiness and the feeling of him moving on with his life is just almost kind of always out of reach. Like you've got the his trying to reach a status as a civilian who has like this clean slate after the the humiliation that put put his life in just go full on break mode. And you feel like, you know, he wants to have this normal life with uh this normal relationship with sarah who unfortunately uh she's tied with her job Mm -hmm. and uh you you kind of feel like i mean you you keep rooting for them to try to get try to uh get as close as they can to the finish line and sometimes they're little small victories but you never get that big crossover to the finish line it's it's always the little small victories and those small moments of happiness that really really uh brings out the uh the satisfaction i think right and i think what's so great about we know what chuck wants he wants his life back but at the same time he's gotten this taste of adventure and the spy world you wonder how much he's going to miss that and you know i don't want to get too ahead of myself but i do love that he has a choice to make in this episode whether he destroys the intersect so nobody has it or if he chooses to 
upload the intersect again, or what do you say, download it? I don't know which term to use. <laughs> Is he downloading it to his brain or uploading it to his brain? But essentially, he's he has to choose, okay, if I do this, then nobody else gets to have it, and it's up to me. You know what I mean? And I love that decision that's given to him. I wanted to ask you this, Adam. You know how sometimes there are references in the show and like sometimes I'll point them out or sometimes I won't or sometimes, you know, they just they go over my head. But I there's a part in the show where Chuck does this. Morgan asks him what's wrong. It's after uh, Ted Rourke. You know, he shows up and he says he's going to kill Ellie unless he brings him the intersect. And Morgan's like, hey, Chuck, what's wrong? And he says this. I, hey, 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 hey. What's the matter? You can tell me. I, I, I might be able to help. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's the rings. Okay. When I saw him, Chuck, say that, I was like, that reminds me of something. Is that, is he referencing something? And then I remembered what it was. And let me play you this. Is this a reference of this from the fifth element, Ian Holm? Okay. What was this thing with all these numbers? No, 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 no. Is he referencing the fifth element there? I don't know, but it reminded me of that. The it's a, it's a, it's a. Oh, it's all Chuck's neuroses coming, coming back to haunt him at the worst possible time. Yeah, and also, okay, this. Do you remember this part when it's really a weird exchange when Ted Rourke sits down in front of Chuck? Chuck says, Ted Rourke, and he says this. Ted Rourke? No, I'm Ted Rourke. And I was like, well, that's weird. But then I started thinking, do you remember what Chevy Chase's uh, signature was on Saturday Night Live? He would say, I'm Chevy Chase, and you're not. Right. And I wonder, is that a reference to that right there? Because it's a very odd thing to say that he said. Ted Rourke? No. Possibly, but as we'll discover, if if we haven't already seen it in these early episodes, early seasons, we'll see it in later seasons when we have guest stars. And they quote things from other TV shows or movies that they've been a part of. Right. I I I think it's kind of deliberate. Yeah. And do you? I think it's what one thing that I think is great that they do on Chuck is they will cast a guest star who you know in a certain kind of role. So when you see them, you can just easily imagine them in their role on Chuck because of who they are, you know, outside of Chuck. But when Chevy Chase shows up at the bad guy, I thought that was a great bit of casting. You know, Chevy Chase had been gone for a while out of our kind of uh eyesight, our, our mind. And then he comes and shows up and he's a villain. I thought that was great casting. And, you know, not long after that, he got the role in Community and he was on TV every week. I really think it was because of Chuck that people were like, oh, Chevy Chase is back. And another thing, I have a theory about Chuck's hair. You know, like I've been watching this enough. I think they modeled Chuck's hair on season two after Chevy Chase, like in the Fletch years or Saturday Night Live years. He had that kind oh. of he kind of had that kind of weird comb over hair, you know, because we know his hair was thinning or whatever. But he had the same hair Chuck has in season two of Chuck. I have a feeling, you know, because they're huge Spies Like Us fans, they reference Spies Like Us so much in season yeah. two that I really think that they were like, "Hey, let's give him Chevy Chase's hair." 
Because I got to tell you, by the time this episode, I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, man, Chuck's hair is so bad in this episode. <laughs> like, how did he live with his hair like that? But season three, I could tell, you know, it's like, you're cutting my hair. I'm not going to have it like that anymore. But, but anyway, I, I love Chuck's hair no matter how it is. But it was just it got a little out of hand by this episode, I thought. It was getting a little shaggy, wasn't it? It was, and I, I would never think to make that connection with old Chevy Chase uh, movies or something, but I, I always interpreted it as, you know, he, his hairstyle is the way it is because he is still kind of coming out of that, that funk, that state of arrest development, and yeah, that's true. Uh, eventually he will feel the need to change his hairstyle. I mean, you look at... This is a weird reference to make, but look at the Harry Potter films and see how the haircuts of the three main characters change radically over the course of the series. So right. I, I, I do think that there's a there's a stylistic reason for like, you know, a character's appearance that goes along with their either their state of mind or where they are at, at life. Yeah, like, well, season one, especially, Chuck was kind of out of sorts, you know, he was out of college, and he hated his life, and he has kind of that long, kind of messy hair, and I think season two is more deliberately styled, kind of in that weird Chevy Chase way, I've just, like, stuck on that, it looks like Chevy Chase's hair back in the day, I don't know, I wonder if anyone, anybody else has had that theory. <laughs> well, you put it out into the the wild, so... uh but okay, let's talk about one we'll of the see. best parts of the episode, Adam. Okay. And that is Jeffster. Yes. When Ted Rourke shows up and Chuck has to go get the intersect, you know, he goes back to Castle and there's Bryce Larkin. He's like, it's gone, Chuck. And he tells him what's going on. And he's like, don't worry, I'll go. They think I have the intersect. So cut back to the church and Morgan introduces Jeffster. And what's so funny is... I always thought there's some funny moments in this, but I don't think I ever quite caught the gasp of the crowd as being so funny as I did this time when I was uh, doing the show. I don't think I noticed it as much, but listen to this pronounced gasp when he says, Jeffster, there's this gasp like it's the most horrible thing that any of these people have ever seen. <laughs> Just listen to this. It's so funny. So without... Further ado, I present to you, Jester! <laughs> it's like, <gasps> like, oh my god! Because <laughs> it's just Jeff and Lester on stage, but yeah, sure enough, they play uh, Mr. Roboto, and it's just a fantastic it's, scene. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the biggest crowd that they play for at this point. Yeah, it is. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in like previous episodes, uh, Lester was kind of dealing with stage fright or whatever. But I, I gotta say, and I know that you'll agree with me. I know that many Chuck fans will agree with, agree with me. They're awfully good. Yeah, that's what's funny is the joke you think is going to be in the episode where they sing. Uh, yeah, they sing Africa by Toto in the Buy More and. You think the joke's going to be like, oh, my God, they're awful. But instead, it's like, hey, they don't sound too bad, you know? But, of course, Casey's and, like, oh, and he covers up, like, his ears. He puts earplugs in. 
they're not bad, but they are Jeff and Lester, so I guess that's why people gasp. <laughs> but I think the joke is that they're actually not bad. They're yeah, that's, hilarious. That's, that's the crazy thing about it. And I love we get these shots from Ellie, who can hear it all the way in her... <laughs> Her dressing room. She's like, oh, no, no, no. Well, somebody tell me why that's not my wedding music. <laughs> you know, it's like, why is Jeffster? <laughs> and, of course, then we get the funniest line of the episode. And you know what that is, right? Yes, I do. The funniest line of the episode goes to Tron. <laughs> Bruce Boxleitner, Devin's father. Why are you letting Sam Kinison and an Indian lesbian wreck your wedding? <laughs> that is always funny every time we watch it. Oh, and, both, up, and, and both and uh, both mom and dad awesome are both taking swigs from uh, the yeah the, the um, yeah <laughs> they're just they're, forget it let's get drunk and I, you know I remember when I got married my wife's mother you know she planned everything it is a stressful event so you can tell they're completely stressed out and then for Jeff sure to go on stage what is going on here. And that's what's so funny. Like, uh, you think, like, when uh, Rourke threatens Chuck, Chuck would just go to Sarah and go, Sarah, okay, let's call Casey or whatever. But he's got his entire, he's got his family there in the church, all their family and friends. They're there for a wedding, and they've got these bad guys in the other room, and they're going to kill everybody. You think, what can he do? And the only thing you think of is just give him the intersect, right? I don't know. Say the intersect was in that locker and he brought it back. He might find a way to outsmart him or something. But at that time, he knows nothing else to do than to get it. And And his allegiance is more to his family and his friends than it is to, well, the government. And maybe that's maybe that's pushing it just a little bit. I'm I'm pretty sure he knows what the mistakes are and the consequences of them having such a device. But I really do think that's that he's willing he's willing to make that exchange just so the people he cares about won't get hurt. Yeah, all all uh, that Rourke had to do is threaten Ellie, and he was okay. I'm good. I'll be right back. You know, he doesn't want anything to happen to his sister. And there are a couple of chill moments where I get chills when I watch this. You know, I have no problem with Bryce Larkin, but I think it's the mixture of the music. Along with uh, Bryce Larkin's slow-mo entrance, where the orchestral version of Mr. Roboto, as he walks in, right there I get chills, and Ted Rourke goes, the human intersect, or whatever. Like, I love that moment. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's a great episode for Larkin, who... I really didn't really know how I wanted to feel about him because I can remember in like season one when he he finally comes to and he acts really insensitive to Chuck's plight and look look man you manipulated me into a state where my entire life was changing you're just acting like it's no big deal what's wrong with you but he gets to act heroically yeah. uh, in this episode and I think I thought it was it's really good material for Matt Bomer. Well, there, there's a moment in this episode that also confuses me where I have to think about it a lot. And it's this part. I'm going to play this clip. And this, I've rewatched the series multiple times, Adam. And when this moment happens, I always go like, okay, wait a second. And I have to start thinking about it again. And this is the scene. They've been looking for me all along. Cube can't fall into the wrong hands. I made a promise to Orion. You know, that was the deal. 
your dad knew I protected you at Stanford. I was the only spy you would trust. I can't believe you've known this whole time. He wanted to keep you out of this. But I knew you could handle the intersect. I knew Sarah would find you. And most importantly, you deserve to know the truth about your father. He's a hero. So, okay, is Bryce saying that after all of this, recently he's come in contact with Orion? Or he knew Orion way back in the college days? That's what I'm trying to analyze in that spot. That's there. a good question, because later in the episode when he meets Stephen at the after party, you know, he asked, you know, Mr. Vertasky, or am I speaking with Orion? Yes. It, it, that still doesn't really answer the question, but it's 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 a good one, though. He does say, like, in past tense, he says, when I tried to protect it, you, I was the only spy he could trust. That sounds like after all this, like, recently Orion came in contact with him, I think. Right. Remember, in, like, the week before we wanted to record this, I had a couple of questions. And one I texted to you over Facebook, and we kind of talked about, but the other one I was kind of saving for this uh for this episode discussion and it was the whole case of why does Bryce choose Chuck at all if the entire point of what happened at Stanford was to get him away from the CIA's clutches. And I'm guessing it was just this this feeling on not only Bryce but Steven. Steven Steven didn't want his son to be involved with the CIA because he's been with them like most of his entire life. Mm-hmm. And he knew what that what the cost of that was. And Bryce was thinking, well, he, you put him out in the field, he's going to get killed. And Chuck, the Chuck I know, is, isn't capable of handling that. And the weird thing is, the, the the qualities of Chuck as a person actually makes him about as good a spy as anyone else. It's just that he's he's not going to be like the ass kicker like uh sarah or bryce or casey's going to be yeah and it made me wonder did bryce send chuck the intersect because maybe he changed his mind about chuck or uh, he could have potentially why couldn't he send it to steven why couldn't he send it you know anywhere else but i mean he encrypted that file with a riddle that chuck would know yeah that's why I'm thinking That's, that he didn't know Orion back then. What he's saying is recently Orion has come in contact with him because I'm the only spy that Orion could trust because he knew I tried to protect you, Chuck. I think way back in the college days, he sent that to Chuck because he knew Chuck was the one person he could trust. He didn't know who to trust at the time. I'm thinking it could have been a spur of the moment kind of thing, because for all we know, Bryce was probably thinking, he could get the intersect and then just make a clean break. But when clearly that wasn't going to work out, he had to uh, make a, a spur of the moment decision and yeah, send it to Chuck. Yeah, he did make a very quick decision. You know, he's being chased and everything. And then finally he's shot and he hit send. So he had to make a very last minute decision. Uh, but another I, thing is one aspect I love about Chuck is you think of how, how is the spy life going to change Chuck or whatever? But he changes Sarah and Casey himself, you know, just by being himself there. They come in kind of these badass spies, you know, Casey's a real hard ass. He's a rule follower. He follows orders and he gets the job done. Sarah, she's kind of like that too, but also she, 
she's kind of a does her own thing also. She hasn't, and this is the thing about uh, you know Casey being more by the book, but like General Beckman, I've often described General Beckman as like the, the Colonel Troutman mm-hmm. of this series, the, this hardened, you know, this hardened uh, military vet who cannot let go of their uh, professional aloofness. And Casey's got that. Yeah. Sarah hasn't lost. Sarah hasn't acquired that yet. She still has a heart and uh, she's able to make those tough calls and do those, do the horrible things if it's required of her. But right. uh, she falls under Chuck's spell. Yeah. And she's, you, she's looking for a way out when she meets Chuck. And I think she sees this possible other life. And especially at the end of this episode, we see that she's deciding not to go with Bryce at all. There's even a moment where she says, I don't want that, Chuck. I want. And then all of a sudden, uh, Stephen Bartowski's like, hey, guys, you know, you will never guess what just happened. <laughs> he just totally interrupts that moment. And he's like, yeah, because it's almost like, I'm sorry, Chuck and Sarah, but fate has other things in mind for you guys right now. Just ain't going to happen how, at the moment. And how great was Chuck's reaction when Steven admits that he has an intersect in him. Yeah, he's like, uh, I have an intersect in my head. And they're like, what? He's like, yeah, I tried it on myself a long time ago. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was great. That That is a great moment. Yeah. Like, wh- because, you know, the guy goes, uh, Agent Larkin, it's time to go. And he looks at him and you hear that flash music and you're like, no way. And then all of a sudden he flashes and it's like, holy crap, he has the intersect. That was a great moment there. And it's so funny because, yeah. you know, in the episode that, because I just recorded it, what does Orion's little wristband thing do? This touchscreen, it's like a hacking device where you can see floor plans of buildings as far as I can tell, you know. It's like the the map sub menu for Legend of Zelda or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen him. He's can open doors and stuff with it. Beep, 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 beep. You know, or whatever like that. It's like, dude, there's got to be a better practical use for that. Why not hold it in your hand like a phone? You know, why does it have to be on my wrist? You know, but I thought that was funny. But I love that whole moment. You know, we have the first part of the episode. Then we have the wedding. And then, you know, Jeffster's playing. And then, you know, Casey comes crashing through the window. There's a huge shootout. Everybody's got silencers. They destroy the wedding. Uh, <laughs> Jeff shoots Roman <laughs> candles off in the church and the, you know, the sprinklers come on. I love the way the sprinklers come on and Chuck just goes, Oh no. And he goes, <laughs> rains all over all of them. And poor Ellie, I feel so bad for her in this episode. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. also during that shootout when like the candles and the ornaments are getting shut up and Chuck is like freaking out like, no, not the candles. Yeah. And he's like, not the centerpiece. And it's like, crash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you, kind of, you definitely kind of feel for Ellie, despite the fact that it's, it's not exactly the wedding, the, the wedding setting she would have preferred because everything's being set up by, uh, awesome's parents, awesome mm-hmm. mother Honey. in particular. Honey Woodcomb. <laughs> That's a great name. Yeah, Honey and Woody. You know, they've also established that Chuck got a bunch of money, his back pay from the government for working on assignments. And he's got all this money. And it's funny, I always try to see how much is that, but you can't see the amount. But it's some nice amount that he's come into, and he decides to spend that on uh, Ellie's wedding. What 
Chuck, the TV show does great is these moments like this wedding to a montage of a song where everybody's doing stuff to prepare. And they even show Casey and his fellow Marines are like, uh, matching materials and stuff. And they're setting, helping set up the wedding. It's just an awesome kind of detail, you know, like everybody's working together for this wonderful moment. You know, Chuck and his dad both give Ellie away. And then, you know, during, you know, there's this happy song playing. It's this great montage. But you see at the same time, there's this rogue Marine who murders Ted Rourke. And then you're like, holy crap, what is going on here? Like, we thought, we're wrapping this up, right? This, uh, the, the season finale? And then what's going on here? This new sense of danger. And I love when, uh, you know, he kills the other, I don't love when he kills the other Marines, but he kills the other Marines. But I love when, uh, Casey says, uh, how long have you been with Fulcrum? And he's like, I'm not with Fulcrum. And then, you know, we learn eventually that they're with the ring. And you know what's funny is I realized this episode is called Chuck versus the Ring, but also there's the wedding rings, like the wedding. Yeah. And it has kind of like a double meaning, doesn't it? It does. One more thing about Chevy Chase, uh, and you know if we choose to talk about him again, that's fine. But I, I love the way he handles the death scene because he doesn't he doesn't beg for his life or anything. He just kind of accepts it with a smirk. Yeah, like, huh. Like, well, like he, he knew, well, obviously this is how it's gonna, this is how it's gonna, you know, transpire. But I mean, obviously Fulcrum or should I say the ring wasn't going to let him be kept in their custody for very long. Yeah. You know, Bryce Larkin, you know, they saved the day they got married and Bryce even says, Sarah, you're not coming with me, are you? And she shakes her head. No, she's decided to stay there with Chuck. Chuck's now a free man, right? Steven flashes on the agent and he's like, Oh my God, whoever that is, they're going to kill Bryce and they're going to upload the new intersect. We got to stop that from happening. So they go there and there's a great moment where, you know, Bryce is actually talking about like uh, to the agent and he's like, do you see her agent Walker? Wow. She, she looks beautiful. Doesn't she? She's in love with another guy. And you realize that Bryce still is hung up on Sarah big time, right? Just him right. saying that. And He's like, it's just not my day. And the, the agent's like, it certainly isn't. And, you know, he's going to kill him. But of course, uh, you know, did you rewind that scene to see when Bryce gets shot? Like, does he get shot there? Let me see. And sure enough, they do show him get hit. And I had to like, yeah, they do. It. then Chuck, Sarah and, uh, Casey show up there and he uses the little Orion wristband to find a little vent to go into the room and he drops inside and we see that, uh, Bryce is mortally wounded and you know, you can tell he's looking at it and Chuck's like, no, you're going to be okay. And you can tell he's looking at him like, no, I don't think I am. He's like, no, you and Sarah, you're going to go on. You're going to go on these great adventures. And he's like, she wasn't even going to come. He's like, you got to destroy it. You know, because if they get the intersect, we're totally screwed. Chuck knows that they need the intersect to defeat whoever these bad guys are because they needed it against Fulcrum. Right. And this new group is, even worse by choosing to download the intersect chuck is finally making that decision about what he wants to do with his life uh, i mean yeah. the question that's been dogging him the if that's even a term that's that's kind of been messing with him since this, the episode started and uh it answers that question of 
before he downloads the the intersect, he we see like this montage of Bryce and Stephen and Sarah talking about uh, footage seen earlier in the episode and also earlier in the season and in the first season about keeping Chuck out of danger, but Chuck's actually a, a better agent than these people even realize. It, it, it's kind of that, you know, you think of the weird Vulcan proverb that Spock says, which is, you know, only Nixon could go to China. Where, that, and that's from Star Trek Six. so how's that for a weird <laughs> reference? But it's the person least likely uh, to handle the job actually becomes the one who's the best for it. Right. And, he, uh, while Chuck, perfect. like, like I said, like Chuck can't, you know, kill everyone in the room, but his ability, uh, he, he has other qualities like, you know, being able to reason with people, being able to negotiate with them to, yeah. to, to put them at ease, uh, all these other things. Chuck just decides, you know, what the, Hey, I, I've got to do something. Yeah, there's been so many times where Chuck has outsmarted these villains just by using his uh, his wit, his smarts, his cunning. And there's this moment, you know, where he he reflects back where Sarah's like, "When are you going to realize you're a hero?" You know, that that's what you've been doing all along. He's been heroic. Sure, he's a scaredy cat and he's afraid, but he always comes through. He always has these moments where his smarts take over and he does what needs to be done. And that's why when I talked about chills in an episode, this point where he uploads the intersect, I get full ch- goosebumps all over my body. You know, like the way that the Tim Jones music, you know, it comes to this crescendo and it's like, dun, 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 and you see the, you know, just everything like I am just like totally like full on, you know, chills at this moment. And I love it. And I love, like, right when it's like, shuts down, the guy, the bad guy comes in and he's like, what did you do? (laughs) You know, he knows something just happened. And he's like, and you, Chuck is still kind of like off kilter, you know, whenever he uploads something with the intersected. So he's like, he's kind of out of it. And he's just like, I destroyed it. (laughs) He almost sounds drunk, you know? (laughs) And he's like, if you are, I'll kill you last. And I love that moment. It's also a great moment when, uh, you know, we see that Sarah and Casey have been captured and Sarah sees Bryce dead on the ground and the guys grab him and drag him out. And she's like, don't touch him. You know, it's a good emotional moment there. And Chuck's like, I'm sorry, you know, and Sarah asks, who are you? And the guy's like, (laughs) you know, we've been around forever. Nobody could stop us. And he's about to shoot her. And then you see Chuck flash, like the new flash. It has a new sound and everything. It has these weird, like, uh, Asian characters. I don't know what it is, Japanese or whatever. And they, even the guard, the, the other men, they're like, uh, sir, you might want to see this. They can tell something's off. And he's like, and Sarah's like, Chuck, did you flash? And the guy's like, he uploaded it kill him and i love that moment where he's just like and knocks all the guns out of their hands like in one move how great is that and then i'm sorry but this is maybe the best line in the whole episode chuck me (laughs) casey's (laughs) saying chuck me and then when the the fighting starts i love casey and sarah's expressions on their faces they're just kind of looking all around trying to keep up with what's happening I mean, how great is that? Chuck's actually fighting for the first time that we've seen on the show, you know? 
I don't know if a lot of it's, you know, visual trickery, the camera moving around real quick and the quick moves and stuff like that, but it's great. And I didn't even mention this when I recorded it, but obviously this is a reference. One thing that's funny is I, I've talked about this many times on the show uh, or on Entertainment Landfill or whatever throughout the years when I described to my dad, hey, you need to watch this. This is what it's about. My dad always goes, Sounds like the Matrix. So it's so funny that this happens on Chuck because it does sound like the Matrix. You know, there's no getting away from it, is there? Because Chuck even s- even says, "Guys, I know kung fu." <laughs> is this not like the greatest way to end an, uh, a finale ever? Oh yeah, because it it, it makes you wanting more. The minute it ends. What's so funny, Adam, is when this episode first aired and that happened, nobody knew if Chuck was going to be renewed yet. I had no idea. I was hoping it would, but you just didn't know. And I'm thinking a good week passed before you found out. But what I didn't even realize, and I talk about this on the episode, is there were all these letter writing campaigns, people buying Subway and tweeting about it, all these fans getting together to save the show, sending boxes of nerds to the head of NBC. And it's just amazing that that was going on. And I had no idea that it was going on. You know, I even did a podcast about TV shows, you know, and I didn't know this was going on. I love the show Chuck and I watched it. And then I was like, oh man, I hope this gets renewed. And then I went on with everything and this was going on. I would have totally participated had I known about it. I don't think I had Twitter or anything at the time. It, I was a late bloomer to Twitter and Facebook. That's probably one of the reasons. But it's so amazing that this show did get picked up because I was almost thinking if the series did end right here, it would be the most disappointing thing ever. But also it'd be like, whoa, the potential that this show had and you guys threw it away kind of a thing, you know? And I'm just glad that Chuck was renewed and we got a season three. Yeah. And I can't wait to cover season three. So I want to ask you, what are your favorite parts of this episode? I know we've been talking about this whole time, but any particular moment come to mind? Uh, I think the quitting of the buy more for both Chuck and Casey. I mean, we've referenced that. Uh, two episodes in a, row, in a row where three employees of the buy more get to stick it to Emmett Mill, Mill Barge, who, you kind of sense he's not going to run a more efficient buy more. He's just going to run it at the, at a pace that's satisfying to him. Yeah. But I, I feel, I felt so happy the previous episode when Morgan left and, it, uh, you know, I felt like clap. just cheering him on about it. I mean, it, it, it made me feel so happy for him and it was great to see Chuck and Casey, you know, just say, you know, screw you as well. And they move on with their lives. I, I love that part. Um, I, I still love, uh, every minute that, uh, Chevy Chase is on, especially when he and, he and Chuck is sitting in that, that ballroom or the dining, the dining room trying to negotiate how this is all going to go down. And I love, you know, Rourke trying to keep it cool when he's clearly at his most desperate. Yeah. Don't you love the moment uh, where he has the shotgun? Chuck Chuck says, "Oh, just kill me." And he goes, "That could be arranged, Chuck." You know. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, "Hey, look, a real shotgun wedding. Just think, that pun will be the last that d- stupid pun will be the last thing you ever hear." <laughs> and he's about to kill Chuck. I thought that was a great moment, too. 
yeah, Chevy Chase gets to have a whole lot of fun just being a jerk. And of course, we get the great moment where Stephen Bartowski gets to punch him too. Yes, it's like I've been that was long that was awesome. Been waiting to do that for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just thinking. Also, you know, at the end when Chuck has to make the decision, like, do I just destroy the intersect or do I download it? If he would have destroyed the intersect, the guy comes in. Sees that it's destroyed, he would have just killed the three of them. End of series, right? Like they all would have been dead. Right. Chuck obviously made the right decision there. Oh yeah, I mean, if he had wanted to go get help instead of trying to go get to the intersect himself, they would have. I mean, maybe the there would have been been a different outcome, but uh, but look, you got to keep the story going. Yeah, Chuck was gonna be heroic. He was gonna go try to help Bryce. And what's funny exactly. is Chuck even says. Uh, Sarah and Casey are pinned down outside, and Bryce goes, I'm on it. And he starts to get up, and he's like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not getting up. <laughs> he's like, he's pretty much screwed. But I thought that was a good end for Bryce. It was very effective to have someone die right there, this moment of desperation. Really well done stuff. Yeah, and it's also going to be this turning point in the series where for a good portion of these episodes, you never really get the sense that anything bad's going to happen, despite the fact the characters get really close to a deadly end or so. And I thought it was like a it was a powerful sacrifice for Bryce, despite the fact that his life basically ends with him just not getting things the way he wants him to. And essentially, with Chuck downloading the uh, Intersect 2.0, Bryce isn't needed anymore. You know, when you think about yeah. it. I mean, Bryce is the heroic agent that's kind of his rival with Sarah, but with him out of the picture, it's just Chuck and Sarah, and uh, Chuck can now fight. So it, it's interesting to see what will happen in season three. You know, of course, I'm you know I'm playing coy because we all know what happens in season three, but I like to kind of talk about it as I get into it, like what happens right. in season three. But I do think what's interesting about season three, I'll just say this, that like all people, Chuck and Sarah, they both want different things. And sometimes when you want to get a relationship with somebody, sometimes you're going different trajectories in life. And that's an interesting to see later on. You know, viewers might, some viewers might not have liked that, but I think it's a good allegory for real life relationships that sometimes happen. Yeah, it's both people wanting different things of relationship people changing over the course of their life but i mean how do you how can you change without it scaring the other person away and that's one of the hurdles that we'll see if chuck and sarah can actually navigate around and another thing there's a part where ellie says uh you're like a superhero and chuck says i wish and she goes i know you do chuck becomes a superhero at the end of this doesn't he he gets power he really does and so, uh, what would you do if you had the opportunity to become a hero or, or go back to normal life? Which would you choose? It'd be pretty hard not to choose being a hero, wouldn't it? Especially if yeah, you've already established time and time again that Chuck is heroic. He just needs to have that shove. And, and I think, let's just say there was a way that the episode could end where Bryce could live and continue being the intersect himself. Could Chuck still, you know, contact Beckman and, I mean, kind of like, if he didn't have another course for his life to play out, he could still take that analyst job for the government. Yeah. 
So there's, there's theoretically, there would have been a way out for him to make something more of his life instead. I mean, because clearly he doesn't want to go back to the buy more, but he wants to have a life where Sarah's a part of it. Right. I, I like this decision much better. <laughs> you know, the way they went. Yeah. It, the, yeah. It, it all, it all ties up pretty nicely. But I can't wait to get into season three. And I talk about at the beginning of this episode how long it took me to get through season two. I'm hoping not to take that long to get through season three. Before we reach the end of season two, there was a movie reference that I wanted to bring up. And uh, and I brought this up with you through, I think, Twitter or so. There was a couple of points in season two that brought up the brought up things that I noticed in uh, one of the great seventies parent, government paranoia thrillers, which was the Parallax View. Have you ever seen it? No, I have not. Uh, it's it's a great uh, it's a great little movie with uh, Warren Beatty and uh, Hume Cronin, where uh, Warren Beatty plays this uh, reporter who stumbles upon evidence of a secret government organization that handles political assassinations. Kind of sounds like Fulcrum or the ring, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mentioned this to you in the episode. I can't remember which one it's called, but it's the one where Vincent, the Arnold Vosloo character gets yeah. introduced and he's talking to these uh, characters who make up like this panel of, I guess, fulcrum or the ring or whatever, and yeah. you can't see their faces, but they're on this. It's it's like going to like a Supreme Court and yeah. seeing the podiums that are all aligned together, and you've got like this weird dramatic lighting where you can't see anyone's face. Is it a buy more store? Would you like me to pick something up for you? <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Um, for all of the 80s references that Chuck makes, especially this season, there were two references to, to the Parallax View. One was the one that I just made where Vincent's talking to the supposed uh, fulcrum panel. And then the episode, it's where it's where Jill comes back. Is that the first kill? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And uh, Casey and Ch Chuck uh, kind of sneak their way into like the fulcrum recruiting agency. And at one point they're shown this video of alternating positive images with negative actions. Right. And the same thing happens to the Warren Beatty character where he goes into this recruiting agency, this recruiting place, and he's subjected to the same thing. Like um, I don't know if parallax view is streaming anywhere, but if you want to see, uh, a really cool 70s conspiracy thriller that clearly had an influence on Chuck, especially season two. Uh, I highly recommend it. And uh, if, if it does come available on streaming, Jason, I'll let you know. But uh, that was something I couldn't let go because uh, basically I love that era of film. Uh -huh. So I, I just figured I'd uh, let you know about that. I always like the bad guys on Chuck too. Like uh, they're always in the background, you know, and they're always thwarted by team chuck you know but i always right. love that they're there in the background and they have these nefarious plans that uh you know it's it's really cool and especially season three has really good stuff building up and i can't wait to get into that yeah season three has still has my vote for the best villain in the series run and i know that there's there's opposition to that but i have my reasons for thinking so 
Cool. So I'm definitely going to have you back sometime in season three, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, have me back whenever, sir. All right. Well, Adam, we still have that Ross voicemail. Uh, Ross sent a voicemail so I wouldn't be a liar earlier on when I said, stay tuned for Adam and Ross on the show. So this makes me, I'm still telling the truth because we have a Ross voicemail. What do you say we check it out? Let's check it out. All right, here we go. Hey, Jason and Adam, it's Ross from the Bay Area of California. Yes, that's right, California, the same state that Chuck lives in. So (laughs) take that, Uh, you know, I'm sure you guys are super jealous. I can tell. Anywho, uh, I love this episode. It's probably my favorite episode of Chuck. I mean, maybe not my my complete favorite because there's so many good ones, but it's one that stands out the most to me, and it's got to be because of the uh, Mr. Roboto scene. I mean, that whole scene... When I saw it, it, it was like a triumph. I uh, played it over and over and over again after I saw it, and it's just absolutely hilarious. And um, it's just such a good episode. I remember watching it thinking like, well, I guess the show's over. I mean, I guess, you know, do they, what, what else can they do? Um, but, yeah, great scene. Loved it. I'm very happy that you made it all the way to the end of season two, and I'm excited to hear what else you got going on. All right, guys, have a great show. Bye-bye. All right, Ross, thank you so much for that voicemail, and I'm excited too. Can't believe it. Wrapped up season two. (laughs) This is a great series, and I love it. I always come back to it. I'm kind of torturing myself too, Adam, because... What I used to do is put Chuck on whenever I'm feeling blue or down or whenever I just, you know, feel compelled to remember something. But since I've started this podcast, I've sworn myself to you will only watch the episode that comes next and you will not watch the next one until you finish that podcast of that episode. So it's been like, I can't watch the next one yet. I've got to finish this one first. And I've done that since you know, every one has been really hard, but it motivates me to keep going. You know what I mean? Right. I'm going in order. So as soon as I wrap this up, I get to watch the first episode of season three and so on. So Adam, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you for talking Chuck with me. It's one of my favorite things to talk about and I have nobody to talk about it with. So uh, I appreciate it, man. I uh, I was looking forward to this uh, since the week started, and it's been one of the longest weeks because of that. But but yeah, uh, it was it was great to to wrap up this season with you. And uh, anytime you want me to come on and talk, Chuck, we, we're not texting it about it to each other just week in week out. Uh, I'll definitely be up for it. Awesome, thank you. Um, so Adam, thank you so much. And everybody listening, thank you for listening to the Chuck series companion. And I can't wait to do more. So what do you guys wait for? Get out there and watch some more Chuck. Don't forget to visit chuckpodcast.blogspot.com. And I'll see you next time. Thanks, Adam. Check you later. So without further ado, I present to you Jester. On Sunday, January 10th, guess who's back? Chuck. Just follow my lead, huh? Hello, everybody. It's Zach. We're back. Bye-bye.
I just want to take a moment to thank you because I only have a job because you guys care enough about us to, you know, make your voices heard. And we live. We are alive. And uh, and now we have a premiere date, so that's exciting news as well. I'm putting Operation Bartowski back into the field. Yes! We're back on the air uh, and, and ready to bring you more and more awesomeness in the world of Chuck. Boom, boom, pow! At the end of season two, uh, Chuck downloads the new Intersect, Intersect 2.0. This new Intersect is loaded with n- new physical abilities. So the, the Chuck of old is fading as the Chuck of new is starting to come out of it. It's almost like a caterpillar, if you'll go with me, to a butterfly. I'm the spy that you're looking for, and I am in charge of this mission now. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of our collective hearts. I hope you enjoy it. Coming this season on Chuck. You're going to become the world's most dangerous assassin. The training wheels are off. Not bad, Bartowski. And this is a whole new Chuck. Scalpel. You're going on your first solo mission. Everybody wants you. With new abilities. What's your secret, Jack? New faces. <laughs> What's it like being a world-class spy? And this season? Come on in. You had your chance. And you blew it. It's no more Mr. Nice Spy. <laughs> the new season of Chuck. At its regular time. Tomorrow and every Monday at 8, 7 central on NBC.